welcome to the Watch and Learn Show, where we talk about life lessons we learn from movies new and old, and we have a bit of fun along the way. And now, here's the host, Sky and Dusty. Hey, hey, movie maniacs! My name is Sky, and I'm joined by my brother Dusty. Dust. Last week, when you said Tombstone, and it was full of a ton of famous actors, I thought to myself at the time, oh, well, there's Kurt Russell and there's Val Kilmer. Who else was in it? But then watching it again, oh, my gosh, Michael Bean, Michael Rooker, Charlton Heston, Dana Delaney, Billy Zane. This movie blew me away with how many famous actors were in it. I agree. And so for everybody watching this on YouTube, you can totally see Sky and I have some props. I definitely have my cowboy hat, my black cowboy hat props. And it was funny when I went to Fresno uh, in Christmas time, I've been wearing, well, before this, I've been wearing boots. I bought some boots, some cowboy boots a while ago, maybe about, I don't know, eight months ago. And so I've been wearing them and I get to California. And those are the only thing I breathe either bring flip flops or, or boots. Um, or some running shoes, I think. <laughs> flip-flops or boots. <laughs> yeah, flip-flops or boots. But um, I wear them to your house. You're like, hey, dude, what are you wearing boots for? I'm like, they're actually pretty fun. They're 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 comfortable. They feel really good, and I like them. And um, it actually is – in the summer, it's going to get hot because, you know, wearing pants. I'd rather just wear flip-flops. But, yeah, so I got my cowboy hat. I didn't wear my cowboy hat, you know, when we were in Fresno visiting you. But I figure, hey, this is a great time to pull out the cowboy hat. But there are so many – amazing actors in this movie. And there's so many great things that we need, we can learn about this, not necessarily like lessons because there are tons of lessons, but so many things about the movie that after I watched it, I did some research and started looking at trivia and like things that happened. It's pretty amazing. Everything about this movie. Yeah, for sure. It was man. And speaking about that trivia and stuff about what happened, um, uh, a few times in the movie, you see people spitting, they're doing Tibet chewing tobacco and they're spitting and stuff. I read a book that the book took place in 1880 and they talked about how disgusting the floors in saloons and bars and even in wagons really were because people were total, not people, men were total, just about every man was doing chewing tobacco, spitting everywhere. There were spittoons. Sure, you would aim for the spittoon, but oftentimes you would miss. Your boots would get spit on from other people. You'd walk onto spit-covered floors. Man, uh, so... They didn't show how disgusting that was in this movie, but a few times when I saw like Ike spitting into his platoon, I thought to myself, that's some pretty gross floors, man. Because when you're spitting, you can have it, and I bet you get better and better as you get more aim. You can get better and better, but even if you have a good spit, there's a trail. Like it, It's not just one ball that hits if you hit perfectly. It's a trail and it drips. And so I could absolutely see that. But if there's no spittoon, you're just going to spitting right in the middle of nowhere inside the – or not middle of nowhere – inside the room wherever you're playing poker or whatever, just, nah, just all over the ground. I could totally, totally see that as well. So as I'm watching this movie, I think I've probably seen this – I want to say maybe a dozen times. This is mm. – up there with one of my favorite movies. What do you think? This is up there. It's not one of my favorites, but if I just think about just Westerns, this is probably my favorite Western. I can't right off the top of my head, think of a better Western I would rather watch than this one. What What about you? I think out of all the Westerns, this is probably my favorite. I, I can't think of a better Western. It does rank up there for me. Like I, th- I love Braveheart. Braveheart's another fantastic movie. Um, and so this ranks up there with them. But as I watch it again, I just really realized how awesome Val Kilmer is. Like the way he portrayed 
uh, Doc Holliday was um, uh, phenomenal. Loved it, loved it, loved it. And the story arc, the everything about the story. Now, there are things that probably they embellished. Obviously, it's Hollywood. They embellished some things. Um, other things they didn't. And so we can get into that. But um, I really, really enjoy this. And I could not think of any better actors for these parts because it was such a good movie. Now, what was interesting, Val Kilmer, he, he's like one of the best actors ever. Um, with him playing Doc Holliday, they actually considered Willem Dafoe. Do you know who that is? Yes, of course I know Willem Dafoe. Yeah, they actually considered him or they, they wanted him. Um, the director did, but the company, the movie company said, no, he was in a really controversial movie. I have no idea. Um, it was something about Jesus or something like something sacrilegious. And so they didn't like that. They didn't want him to be in the movie. So they cast Val Kilmer instead, not saying that William, Willem Dafoe would do a horrible job or be horrible or anything, but man, Val Kilmer was just brilliant, brilliant, brilliant in this movie. But all the one, all the lines that are in this movie is so much fun, like quotable, like I'm your Huckleberry. Everybody remembers that one. That was the easiest one to remember, but other ones like, well, Ed, if you weren't my friend, I don't just uh, something I don't think I could bear. <laughs> I was like, yeah. you know, things like that. And you know, well, you're a daisy if you do. Yeah. He does so many uh, lines that are fantastic. I really, I think if it was, I think, uh, Kurt, Will, uh, Kurt Russell, fantastic, um, uh, White Earp. But if it wasn't for Doc Holliday, it wouldn't it wouldn't be the same movie. What do you think? I agree with you 100%. Willem Dafoe, always a great actor, great in every role, but who knows if he could have been as iconic or as memorable um, or as impactful as Val Kilmer was in this one. So I agree with you there 100%. Um, I, I, I totally forgot that Bill Paxton was in this movie as Morgan Earp, you know, and then Sam Elliott, he's great too. You always love seeing a Virgil Earp in this one, you know, that was pretty cool seeing those two actors, two of my favorite, like they're never, I shouldn't say never, they're, they're not often leading men, but anytime you see them in a movie, they're always fun to watch really charismatic guys. And, and like you had already mentioned, Kurt Russell and um, uh, Val Kilmer are great, but then all the other the supporting cast was incredible in this one. Michael Bean as Ringo, Holy cow, dude. He is such a dreadful guy. Powers Booth as Curly Bill. Man, I just, I absolutely love this movie. The acting was great. And everybody had really juicy roles, right? Even um, Stephen Lang as Ike. Like, you, he was kind of like a pathetic, kind of like a bully. You can easily kick him around. But he's still a really bad guy. Really good role for Stephen Lang, I thought. And I remember when uh, Avatar came out. I didn't even realize yeah. that that guy was the same guy in Tombstone. You told me, oh man, he was pretty good in Tombstone too. I'm like, what? He was in yeah. Tombstone? Yeah, he was like, what? How in, the, yeah. how in the world? And so, yeah, and so I'm looking, okay, but Kurt Russell, Val Kilmer, Sam Elliott, Bill Paxton, Powers, Powers Booth was terrific. He was great in that position. Um, Michael Bean, Charlton Heston was in it, uh, Jason Priestley, John uh, Tenney, Stephen Lang, uh, Thomas... I can't remember his last name. It's not Aiden showing George. up. Yes, there you go. Um, there was also, oh, it's not pulling up. But um, uh, another, other, so many other great actors. Like even the narrator, he was an old West guy. You could, you know, hear his voice. You could definitely hear him. Michael Rooker. Did you mention Michael Rooker? Yes. He, yes, Michael Rooker's in it, and we obviously remember him being um, uh, Yondu from Guardians of the Galaxy. Really. Billy Bob Thornton is in this, like a, almost like a cameo. Uh, let's see who else we have. Uh, yeah, Terry Billy O'Quinn, Zane, Billy Zane, like you said, John Corbett's in it as well. Um, 
Yeah, it's like a phenomenal list of actors that, and actresses that are in here. Even Frank Stallone is in there. Um, yeah, it's just phenomenal, the cast that they have. And I love the casting of the main actors, even the bad guys. The main bad guys are main bad guys are fantastic. The main good guys are fantastic. So just all around, just like, wow, how can you get a better cast? And it was perfectly cast. 100% perfectly cast. And one thing interesting, you said earlier, you learned some stuff about the movie, you know, outside of watching the movie. One thing I learned was that George Cosmatos was the director, the credited director. He also directed Cobra, one of the best Sylvester Stallone movies ever. <laughs> Love Cobra. But I guess he was hired as the director to be the yes man to Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell actually, and he he admitted it years after George Cosmatos died, he he admitted to being the director. He George Cosmatos was basically his yes man. Before shooting, he would tell him exactly what he wanted. So George was on set director, but, but Kurt Russell told him everything to do. And I thought that was a pretty interesting idea that this main actor in every single scene of the movie was also the one doing all the directing too. Double duty right there. I'm sure he got no sleep, all the work. But I guess Val Kilmer in a later interview said that the success of this movie just came down 100% to Kurt Russell and his leading, you know, taking helm of the movie. It is rather interesting to hear that. Now, I, I kind of thought that he actually got the, the main director um, got. Did he get fired? Or he was he on the whole entire time. I think he. I think they had a director. They fired him. They hired George Cosmatos so that, yeah, he because he was a yes man, basically. And they, I guess they agreed ahead of time. Kurt Russell and him said, we're going to hire you. We're going to pay you. But I'm the director, buddy. I'm going to tell you what to do. So I think it was a whole, uh, 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 whatever, a secret arrangement, I guess you could call it. Well, which is great. And I, I remember hearing the Val Kilmer um, that he stated that as well. Like it would not be the same movie if it wasn't for Kurt Russell. And Kurt Russell's a brilliant actor. I mean, shoot, Tangle and Cash. What? He was awesome. And that's another one, Sylvester Stallone. Um, so throughout this entire that's movie, a movie we need to do. I'm going to make a note of that. Tango, Tango and, Cash. and Cash. Like seriously. It is yes. a, it's a super fun movie. It probably not a good movie, but definitely worth watching. And I think you and I could probably learn a lot of lessons from it. <laughs> that, and it's definitely a nineties movie. Like you could, it's a yeah. feel of nineties movie, you know, good cop or good, good guy, bad guy. And yeah, it really love that movie. Um, really, really mm -hmm. fun. Actually, what might be interesting is we go back and watch it. Be like, huh, it's not as good as we thought. <laughs> like nostalgia. Yeah, really I know. <laughs> so going through Tombstone, I now that I live in Phoenix, I've actually been to Tombstone. Looks nothing like it. it they tried to make it a little, still a little old timey, um, but it doesn't. It doesn't have that feel. You know, it's okay. It's, it's Wait, not bad. I've seen better. Do people live in Tombstone, or is it strictly a tourist attraction? No, they're, 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 it's basically a town, and oh. the tourist is basically one street, and they have some uh, newer buildings built up. And so it's, it's, it's pretty good. I mean, it's, it's not bad. I've seen other ones that are a little more uh, – it's, it's like they had the town, and they built out outside of it, like you know homes and stuff like that, and they just kept one little section of it, that, a mm. main street that's maybe about half a mile long, and they try to keep it you know uh, older and have trinkets and – Rustic you could buy, rusket, yeah, yeah. So it's it's mm -hmm. it's fun, but in my opinion, it's not. If you're gonna drive like a hundred 
to, no, 100 miles might be okay to just check out. But if you're going to drive like 600 miles to see it, well, you could pass. In my opinion, mm. you, you definitely can pass. But what was really interesting, as I'm watching the movie, I'm looking at the scenery all around. They're, seeing, they're showing hills or mountains in the background when uh, Kurt Russell and Dana Delaney, they're riding the horses, they're in the mountains. I'm like, dude, this is desert. It's flat. But I realize... No, there's actually mountains all around. If you look, we're actually in a valley. Phoenix is in a valley. Tombstone is is more south of us, so you have to drive a good my, good ways. But there are desert mountains that are all over the place. Now they weren't. Uh, it, there are like the where they were actually running the horses. That's much more north, at least as far as I can tell from Tombstone. But long story short, um, it was interesting to see that the terrain, they actually did film in um, like Phoenix or like the Arizona desert. They actually did film it and stuff like that. And what I also got was that a lot of the extras are literally just people who are, I can't remember what they call them, not cowboys, but they're, they're called like buckaroos or they're, they literally have all the get up. They have the, the guns, they have the clothing. They're just you know, think of like Civil War reenactment people. Same thing for cowboys. There are buckaroos and they just showed up. They brought their tents. They slept in tents and they showed up on the day with their own gear, their own everything. Wow. And they were parts of it. So that was really, really fun to hear too. That is interesting, man. I had no idea. Yeah, like like uh, Civil War reenactors and stuff. People, they're just into that time period. They kind of wish they lived back in the 1800s, that kind of thing. Um, you know, when it, as I was watching this movie, I knew where it was going. You know, I knew that these the Earps came to town with hopes of just making a fortune, making money, living a regular life. And I knew that eventually they would turn back to the law and then get into a giant, you know, kerfuffle. That's the, that's a terrible word for this, but a giant fight with the cowboys, right? And as I was watching, I was thinking to myself, could they have avoided what happened at any time? And I really don't think they could have. Like, they went there as reasonable people. But when you're dealing with these unreasonable cowboys who want to basically rape and pillage and murder their way through the, through, through the Old West, there's no reasoning with them. Like, it's obvious from our perspective. They're doing bad things. They know that they're doing bad things, but they just don't give a crap. And, and it was just interesting watching this with the idea that can we Monday morning quarterback and could the Averps have done anything different? Other than leaving town and leaving the Cowboys to their own devices, I don't think there was anything they could have done to avoid Morgan's fate and Virgil's fate in this one. So I'm going to push back, not on the point of them actually having to step in as being law, because that's just how they are. That's who they are. That's what they do and all that sort of stuff. Completely agree with that. But I'm going to push back just a little bit. Cowboys, we know from movies or we hear that Cowboys are like Vikings, like they just go and pillage and they just rape and they just, they're just bad, bad guys. We see that in movies. But if you look at this, the you have cowboys who are basically, you know, like we're, we're not necessarily a gang. We're just a group of people. But you can call them a gang. You could definitely call them that. Um, they, they did not necessarily go out and like wreak havoc and destroy things. It wasn't like um, – uh, oh shoot, there was a movie that came out a little while ago and they just made a reproduction of it. I can't remember. Um, but anyways, long story short, cowboys weren't like Vikings. They were just normal people that bounded together and they were definitely a little more rowdy. They, they were, I would, I'm not, not downplaying how rowdy they were, but they were not just going through the entire, like F city to city, destroying things and just taking things and, and being rude and horrible and evil and all that sort of stuff. Now, some were completely agree that some were, but so if you look at the way the OK Corral played out, the uh, Bayhan, uh, Bayhan, the, the, the um, what was he? No, was the, the sheriff? sheriff. He, or, no, he, he was like the county. Was he a marshal? 
Marshall, there you go. He came up, ran up to him, said, I've already disarmed. And it's a proven, like he literally told the Earps this, I have disarmed them. Now, if the whole goal was just to disarm them, they would have said, okay, we, we trust that you've disarmed them and then leave. But they didn't. They kept going. And there were four men there. Two of them had firearms. Two, the other, maybe six men there. Something like that. But there was, there was a good amount of men there. Only two of them had firearms. And they drew and they they got, you know, the gunfight. And we know what happened to the OK Corral. It only took like 25 seconds. Really, really short. But what's interesting is because they had a badge, Not I'm, I'm not saying anything negative about police officers or anything. I'm just showing that the police came here, or the, the, the sheriff and all, they, they went there and they gunned down men that didn't even have firearms. Not saying that that's right or wrong. I'm just saying that's a fact that they did. Now, that turned the tables, not turned the tables, that made us, because the ERPs, the law, were the winners, as opposed to the cowboys, we probably wouldn't even hear about the OK Corral. We probably wouldn't even hear about this. America might be a little different if the law was not able to take hold like it did because of the OK Corral. So long story short, we we need to be... Uh, not necessarily down or up on cowboys. Just try to have a perspective that cowboys weren't always bad. Does that make sense? It does, but I was just referencing what happened in the movie. In the movie, all the guys that they gunned down had weapons, and every step throughout the movie, every little confrontation, I don't think that the Earps could have done anything different to avoid their fate, is what I was saying. Like, I can't Monday morning quarterback every any step that they took, other than they should have just gotten out of town. At some point, does that make sense? That so, is, yeah, I'm not talking yes. about historical cowboys. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got yeah. It. Well, mm-hmm. then I guess the reason why my mind went there was because of um, the, you know, this movie is on historical events, and they yeah. were actually real people. So what I really liked about the the movie is, and they they did this on purpose, so we could have watched a movie that ended in the OK Corral. And that was, you know, the end of it. And a lot of movies do, they do the end in the OK Corral because that's what everybody hears about. And they, that's the pinnacle. That's the culmination of everything. But that was like in the middle or, you know, towards the end of the second act, the third act is when they are literally going and destroying all the Cowboys. Yeah, exactly. Murder montage. And then they, they make the music go lower and lower to make it feel like it's longer and longer. So, um, that was from uh, team America. If you don't know that reference, but, um, so what was interesting is they had the OK Corral be the middle as opposed to the end. And I really enjoy everything about this movie. I can't think of one point in the movie other than the interplay between Dana DeLaley, Dana, Dana DeLaley and Kurt Russell. Like that was like, oh, OK, romance thing. I'm kind of like the Princess Bride, you know, um, uh, uh, Sa- uh, Matthew Savage, like, oh, okay, they're kissing again. Let's move. Let's go back to the killing. That's what I kind of get, but it really helps to you to understand the, the the interplay between them and why why Earp went off with her and stuff like that. Not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just saying that's what he did. But um, it, throughout the entire movie is really really fun. I enjoyed it thoroughly. And as I was watching, I was like, man, this is a good movie. Yeah, I agree with you. 
And one of the, the one of the ways, I mean, I give this movie an A right away. It's an A. And one of the reasons for that is leading up to it, like last week you had said, you know, we're going to learn from Tombstone. I thought, okay, great. But then when it came time to watch it, I felt like, oh, this is going to be homework. I, I don't think I'm going to enjoy it. But then as soon as I started watching it, you see Kurt Russell. Well, first you see the cowboys and how evil they are at that uh, Mexican police officer wedding thing. But then, you know, you get you get to see Wyatt and then with his brothers. And then you see I just I just got into it right away. So it went from being homework to being a super enjoyable two hour watch of the movies. So I thoroughly enjoyed it. Just like you. I give it an A. Yeah, for me, I definitely get throw it to A plus because um, I just I, I think of so many scenes, so many thoughts throughout the entire, like everything is so well done. Story is so well done. It's shot very, very well. Everything about it. So let me ask you a question. Do you know which gun is called the gun that won the West? I don't. So I actually have it. Let me pull it up. So if everybody's, anybody saw the thumbnail on YouTube, it actually is the 3030 lever action rifle. So you can see the, le- let me back up so you can see it. So this is the lever action rifle and it has literally a lever. So the bullets go inside of right here. So everybody watch on YouTube, you can literally see me doing this. And this is empty. I, it's definitely empty. So as you pull up the lever, it takes, so this tube, right? So this is the barrel. The top one with this, the uh, side is on is the barrel. This is called the magazine. This is where all the bullets get put inside here, up into here. And then the bullets are stored in here. And this lever, that's why it's called lever action, it grabs the bullet out of out of the chamber, ejects it, and then when you pull it back, it grabs a bullet from the magazine and then loads it in. And so this was an uh, amazing difference than the musket. If you think of a musket, it takes you forever to load the musket because you load it from the barrel, the top of the barrel in. You have to put the gunpowder in. You have to pull the bullet in, put the wad in, all that sort of stuff. Actually, it's a different order. Gunpowder, wad, then bullet. And so you have to do all that. It takes forever. It, a good trained person might get like, in one minute, might get like three shots in one minute. But with this lever action, you can get three shots in like three seconds. And it's just boom, boom, boom. And so this was the gun that won the West. And you see a good amount of them inside this movie, but you do see more of a different type of gun or uh, firearm. Do you know which one I'm talking about? Well, handguns and shotguns. The shotgun. You see a shotgun a lot more now. Definitely handguns. Obviously, we don't. Uh, we know everybody had handguns on their hips, but they had so many more shotguns that I could actually. I was like, wow, they're they're actually using shotguns all the time. But when you think about it, they didn't have like birdshot always inside. You know, birdshot's like little tiny BBs. They literally had slugs, and slugs are like marbles of lead flying out of the barrel and destroying things. And that's why it's very very dangerous. It's so not very accurate at more than like maybe 30 yards, then it starts to get a little, little off accurate. Plus it starts to drop. But long story short, this is the gun that won the West. I actually have two of these, excuse me, I hit the microphone. Um, I actually have two of these, um, 30 thirties. They're really, really fun to shoot. And I really, really enjoy I, I, when I, when I was, as I was buying firearms, I was like, man, I got to get a 30, 30. Those are so much fun. Cause if, the first time that I remember it, actually, no, I take that back. Let me ask you, do you remember a movie that has a lever action rifle like this uh i don't know if it's like that but the the first one i can think of is terminator 2 absolutely yes 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 i remember seeing that him flinging that thing around like that is so cool and that got me learning more about the lever action rifle and everything have you tried to shoot this with that same motion or is that not uh, feasible 
So it's absolutely not because look at how long. So here is where the, the so if I flung it here, it's literally going to hit me because the yeah. barrel's so long. Now, if, and it's illegal to do this, so don't do it. But if you cut off the barrel, shorten the tube, the magazine, and do that, then you absolutely can. But then also you got the buttstock. The buttstock is really long. So he, you know, it's cut off here and then cut off there so that you actually can do that. But that's illegal if you did that. The ATF or the, um, alcohol, alcohol, tobacco, and firearms would literally come knocking on your door or breaking it down if you did that. For sure. For sure they would. Man, oh man. So, so um, there can you think of, of any quotes in this movie that you thoroughly enjoyed? Um, a lot of them came from Doc Holliday. Um, I liked it when... Dana Delaney, Josephine's character, first approached Kurt Russell and he turned away and he goes, uh, he says something like, my Wyatt, you are an oak. That was pretty good. And then later on, you know, Kurt Russell derided himself. Oh, what an oak you are. You know, something like, I can't remember the exact. I'm an oak, all right. Yep. Yeah, that's what it was like. I'm an oak, all right. Those ones really stuck with me. You know, besides all of Doc Holliday's lines. Doc Holliday's lines are so memorable, but there are other amazing great ones. And one of the most iconic for me, everybody knows I'm a Huckleberry or I'm your Huckleberry. Everybody knows that that's because that's like literally when he kills the bad guy. Um, so it's ingrained. He says it twice. One at the beginning, you know, when he actually, uh, Johnny Tyler or Johnny uh, Ringo is all, um, uh, drunk and everything. So he says it one time and the other time is when he actually kills him when he meets up with him. But another fantastic one, the way it's shot, the, the, um, the bad guys almost killed his, or were going to kill his, his wife and, uh, Virgil and when they're on the train and he, when they turn around, like he says, I'm like, Hey, where's your brother? And he says, I'm behind you and, and blows him away. White blows him away. And then he actually lets Ike live. And he says, all right, you're like, basically, Ike, you tell everybody I'm coming and hell's coming with me. And the way that it's shot, it looks so like it's down looking up at him. You can see like the background almost looks like it's thunder and everything. It's nighttime. Super, super line. It was cool. And then you see the next scene. They're literally riding. They're going after the cowboys. It was so very cool. Yeah, I agree with you. I love that scene right there. And that just led into the murder montage or the revenge montage or the reckoning montage, whatever you want to call it right there. As soon as I saw that scene, I just always think about you because I know you're such a fan of montages. I knew Dusty would love <laughs> this scene right here. <laughs> did you did you notice, um, thinking of, uh, not thinking of montages, but um, I didn't realize until after like watching Armageddon and a couple other movies I didn't realize Billy Bob Thornton was even an actor before, like during this. I was like, oh, he's just, a, you know, an extra person in this movie. But um, he did a great job. Like you actually really like, didn't like him when <laughs> during them. But what do you think about Billy Bob's uh, acting chops in this one? He was great, man. He showed his just total jerk bully kind of potential that he has you know he was overweight in this one so when you see him later on in armageddon and i think like you just said i think armageddon was the first time i recognized like i knew the name billy bob thornton from that but um yeah you don't because he is overweight in this movie and just seems like a totally different person but i thought he did a great job and then you're right you absolutely do not like you despise this guy you love seeing when um kurt russell slaps him two times you know and then sends him on his way love and then when he comes back and then uh val kilmer says oh uh Terry, I forgot you were there. <laughs> you know, was, I forgot you were there. You may yeah. leave now. <laughs> yeah. That and, was so uh, good. Billy Bob goes, 
for a man not running heels, you sure do go you know, run your mouth. And, you know, and then Kurt Russell, White Earth says, I don't need to go heels to slap the tub out of a fat tubby. Or no, oh man, I I know I, did, I butchered it. Sorry, guys. Like, I don't need to go heels to slap the tub out of uh, 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 whatever. So that that was really, really good. Um, I also remember other lines from Wyatt Earp or Kurt Russell when uh, when uh, uh, Sam, not Sam, the uh, the guy from Avatar, what was uh, Ike? Ike's, I can't remember his name. Stephen Lang? Yeah, Stephen Lang says, La, don't go around here, La, dog. And he says it twice. La, don't yeah. go around here, La, dog. Is, I heard you the first time. <laughs> yeah. just, oh, man, so many, so many one lines from both Kurt Russell, at least the ones that I remember, are either from Kurt Russell or um, Val Kilmer, but then also Johnny Ringo, like his like just his who he is and everything about him is just he's so like almost mysterious and what's great is that the people around him talk about him Johnny Ringo as being a bad dude so he doesn't have to go around slapping people you know as the audience this is a bad dude everybody's talking about him as a bad dude stay steer clear of him so he doesn't actually have to show that he just we know that he's a bad dude for sure. Anybody who's willing to cap a priest is a bad guy for sure. Uh, 100%. And I really liked, um, um, what is it, Val Kilmer or Doc Holliday's take on Ringo. Like Kurt Russell at the end of the movie was asking, what drives a man like that? What get, keeps him going on? You know, And basically, he just wants revenge on being born. He just hates life. He's just a terrible human being just doesn't deserve the life that he's given. You know, I love that take on Ringo. And I really like at the end how when Doc Holliday shows up instead of Wyatt Earp, you could tell, I mean, I can't remember what the words were, but Ringo says, uh, I got no beef with you. And tried to really smile and try to play it off. And he wanted nothing to do because he knew Doc Holliday could kill him. And it was, that Absolutely. was a great scene right there. And what is great, He's Doc Holliday walks up and says, I'm a Huckleberry. And that's when he realized, uh oh, that's Doc Holliday. And then Doc says, Why, Johnny, you just look like somebody walked over your grave. <laughs> oh, that is so good. Because he did. Yeah. He did look like, and um, uh, I can't remember the actor's name, but he pulled, like, his face was like, Oh, dang, like, I'm going to die right now. And then, oh, the, everything about it was so good. He's like, No, I, he's always just fooling. You know, Johnny Ringo says that, and Doc, I, I wasn't. <laughs> I was like, Wow, this is so good. And then when Kurt Russell or uh, White Herb says, You know, Doc, this isn't your fight. And he says, That's a hell of a thing for you to say to me. I was like, Oh, man, just the interplay between and interesting to see Doc Holiday and White Herb, their interplay between the two. Oh, it's just, man. It's the characters are so well developed in this movie. Like you just know who they are and how they are. It's, it's fantastic. So there are so many scenes that bring like are in my brain. As I think about this movie, what is the number one scene that you either remember or you like the most? Like what's your favorite scene? Uh, well, geez, I actually, well, I, I wrote down my favorite scene was the gambling hall scene right after the show when, you know, she comes in, he turns away from her, but then you also have the confrontation between Ringo and Doc Holliday. He does all his gun twirling, then he does his cup twirling to kind of like diffuse the situation, but still kind of poke fun um, at Ringo. I, that was my favorite scene of the movie. That that always sticks with me, that. That is a great scene, and I completely love and appreciate Doc Holly doesn't have anything to prove. He prove he doesn't care. He's like, oh, I know I can kill this dude, and so he's like, well, whatever. And he gets that cup and starts spinning it 
I thought that was hilarious. Now that's more than likely um, embellished or, you know, a part of the story, which is fun <laughs> as opposed to actually something that did happen. I don't know if it was, I'm just kind of um, elaborating, but um, there are so many great scenes and even like, I love when Wyatt Earp charges into the river and is just standing there shooting. Obviously we know, okay, Corral, that, that's like, that's a fantastic, phenomenally shot scene. But the, you know, you think about him standing there and you have everybody shooting around him. He charges into the water. And apparently there was a guy that, um, one of the guys that was in the fight, that one of the cowboys was in the fight. He actually lived for maybe like, I don't know, a day later. He got shot, but he got hurt. We went and he literally accounted. He said that White Earp charged into the, the river, stood there and shot at everybody and didn't get hit. So that was absolutely something that did happen, which is dumbfounding to me that actually could happen. Yeah, that's a true story then, huh? That's pretty cool. Yeah, very cool. And when you think about the OK Corral as well, there are accounts that Wyatt Earp literally doesn't get razzled under pressure. Like if, if there's any arguments, any fighting or anything, he is stone cold. And so Ed, and they they tried to, their best to portray it. Everybody else in the OK Corral, they were diving, they were getting out of the way, getting cover. Wyatt Earp is just standing there. He's literally standing there shooting at people. And it was like, wow, this is so, he, he's, he's got balls of steel to be able to do that. And one of my favorite scenes, I would say, is when Ike is, um, he, you have Ike going to be rushed. Like, oh, sorry, let me back up. So you have Powers Booth or, um, you know, the main the guy in the red shirt always kills the sheriff. And then you have, Wyatt Earp come up and, and bash him over the head, getting ready to pick him up. And he's holding on to him. Going to take, he was going to stand trial. Everybody else wants to kill him right then. Cause he killed the sheriff. But no, he got to stand trial. There's law and there's, there's rules in this and he's holding him. Then Ike comes up and he says, you know, you can't get all of us. And he literally takes, takes the gun and puts it. If you can see that you're watching on YouTube, literally the gun is right at Ike's head and you can see like, and so everybody's seeing this, you can absolutely tell this is hundred percent unloaded. It's a revolver. It's literally a revolver, but the gun is literally po pointed at Ike's head and he is uh white Earp is stone cold said your friend. And then you just, and Kurt Russell did a brilliant job of this movie. Your friends may get me a rush, but not until I make your head in a canoe. You got me. And it's like, Oh, he's bluffing. No, no, he ain't bluffing. He ain't, he ain't <laughs> me. He ain't bluffing. <laughs> Love it. That was so good. You could see it in his eyes. There was quite a few scenes just like that between him and Buddy Bob Thornton. And then the, the, the river scene, just like you said, where you knew that Kurt Russell, that that guy does have balls of steel. He is somebody you do not mess with no matter what. But he's also a good person. Like he won't come up and mess with you like Ringo or Curly Bill will, right? Wyatt Earp does the right thing, but if you start to if you start any trouble, he'll be the one to finish it for sure. He absolutely will. Like he is, he will still be there. Now, what was interesting is there were quite a few Earps. Um, there was uh, I I heard that there was probably like two other brothers that were actually in town, but they one was like eating or one was like there. But yeah, so there were other Earps there, and so you know yeah. back in I don't know the eighteen hundreds or you know the Wild West. Kid, peop, uh, kids would die like all the time just because of whatever diseases or whatever, but kids would die all the time. And so people had lots and lots of kids and they just never stopped having kids. Obviously, if you have a farm, the more people you don't have to actually pay, you know, you have kids that they're actually doing work. You could have more kids. And so that's why we have four kids because I put them all to work. They clean the house now. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Oh man, yeah. I we only have two boys, as you know, and uh, and I couldn't imagine having any more. Man, two's a handful. So, 
You, you 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 go from playing man to playing zone. Let's like let's coordinate. You're over here. You're over there. But you know, as they're older, they they you know be much more independent. Yeah. They do it. You know, oh, for they, sure. They take care of themselves. But yeah. So yeah. what we've done is instead of us taking care of them, they take care of us. Like I literally don't do any cleaning anymore. It's like get to work. <laughs> mm. <laughs> nice man. Nice. So uh, let's see. One of the other things we we kind of touched on a little bit was Dana Delaney's character of Josephine, right? And at the end of the movie, they go off. You get the idea that they go off and live a life together. Um, is that true? Was Josephine like a real thing? Like he left his wife. I guess they said his wife died, right? It's she died right after they left, or not right after, but shortly after they took off on mm. the train. It says mm-hmm. that they, and you could read it at the very end. It says that she actually passed away from a drug overdose, and you could tell, and that was a oh, theme okay. for her throughout the entire yeah, time. Was she was for sure. it was like opium or something that she was definitely well, I, addicted to. I looked up when she said, you no, know, she asked about laudanum. I just googled real quick what is laudanum, and I guess it's an alcoholic drink made with opium and morphine. So yes, those. Three things, alcohol, opium, morphine combined, you can imagine really addictive. So, yeah, she's going to kill herself at some point uh, yeah. with that for sure. But so do you know, was Josephine like real? Was she an actress and came through the Midwest and then he went off and lived with her? So it, from what I can tell, from what I've read and seen, yes, absolutely. And they stayed together um, throughout the whole entire time. They traveled. They did a lot of fun stuff. And that's just how how they lived. And it, it was. And so they tried to do their best as far as they can to be true to the story, true to the characters and stuff like that. Even the things that Doc Hollywood would sit, Doc Hollywood, <laughs> that's, uh, that's uh, <laughs> Hollywood. Michael J. Fox. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So like, like everything that Val Kilmer has to say or Doc had to say, um, those are things that were actually accounted for. Like him saying, I'm your Huckleberry. Like he's literally said that or in the OK Corral when it was literally uh, stated or Val Kilmer, Doc literally said, well, you're a daisy if you do. If you said, I'm going to kill you, he says, I'm a, you're a daisy if you do. That's literally accounted for. They Bystanders literally heard him say things like that. So they tried to do their best. Oh, another thing that was really fun. If you're watching, as they're entering in a tombstone, you can see the tombstone, the graveyard. One of them said, like, here lies Johnny something or other. You know, two shots from a 44, no less, no more. And that was yep. literally on a tombstone back then. And so they said, wow. let's just take that. And if you go to tombstone now, I believe they have that. And so that's kind of probably got it. But yeah, they, I think they did a decent job as far as I can tell about being as best as they can true to the story, as well as telling a story in, you know, piecing things together. Yeah. Um, one character who I didn't understand why they were in the story, uh, was Jason Priestley's character. What was he, why was he hanging out with, curly bill he obviously wasn't a cowboy and it towards the end of the movie he was wearing a badge so he was actually i mean, I, I just didn't understand what what his character was all about uh, he just felt unnecessary throughout the movie out of everybody in the movie so many name actors and stuff he was the one that i could do without so i did not look into that but that's a good question thinking of what was the purpose of having him in there now if this was a made-up story and they literally made up everything and be like, yeah, he was literally had no purpose. It was just for not even comedic effect. Like it just, he was in this scene for like maybe a total of like two minutes is literally yeah. all he's in there. And so, but I wouldn't doubt that that was somebody that was a part of the, about the part of the Cowboys. And so you, I don't know. I didn't look into it, but it seems like it's part of the story. And it's probably just another person, another character that was a part of them. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, 
at the end of the movie or towards the end when he he decides to leave the cowboys it seemed like behan the marshal or sheriff whatever he was exactly he was like calling after him to come back so I was thinking, like, was he a marshal, like a, a deputy, like underneath Behan the whole time? But he was always hanging out with the cowboys, and it, it was just kind of like a weird relationship between these these hoodlums, these bad cowboys, and the marshals. It's like, I don't know, like the marshal Behan allowed them to do their thing, and maybe, maybe, maybe Jason Priestley's character was just some kind of like deputy that was along for the ride, but. I I just didn't understand his character, basically. Yeah, no, I, I completely understand. They, they, as far as, like, storytelling, you don't really get that, other than he's, like, for some reason, uh, Powers Booth character, like, literally brings him along and has him with him and all that sort of stuff. Other than that, it's just like, well, he's just, like, a sidekick, kind of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you got exactly. Ike. Ike is, oh, man, he's somebody that you're, like, he, man, that guy's a coward, and cowards are bullies, and, you know, well, not always, but, like, if bullies can be cowards and he this is one bully that's a coward for sure he was and i would have liked to have seen him i know in real life i guess he died a few years later or something after the events in this movie but i would have liked to have seen him died especially when he runs away from the fight don't shoot me don't shoot me and then goes in the house grabs the gun and shoots him from behind i mean come on dude he's terrible guy he deserved to die and i would have liked to have seen that on screen yeah that would have been would have been really interesting and i really liked for everything from the OK Corral on was also just as good. Now, the story was built up before the OK Corral. Like, that's the, where the story was building. And then, like, it went over that hump, and then it went down, and it went to, not down, but, like, you can tell it was, like, the third act was all about them taking out the cowboys. And I, I thoroughly enjoyed every single act. And you could tell the low point is where his brothers, like, White Earp's brothers are literally getting killed or mangled or defamed or they try to kill his women like all that stuff was just crazy that they that they did all that but in thinking about the movie itself it, i really liked how it felt rugged it didn't feel like a studio it didn't feel like a production like there was poop uh, you know horse poop on the street you know things like that like it felt like you were there that's why I really another reason why i love other than like the acting was fantastic the storyline the, the everything was great but it also felt like it they were literally there doing it at the same time yeah, 100%. At no time did they did it look like they were riding a fake horse on the back of a truck, right? Those actors <laughs> were really on horses. You knew that they understood how to use guns. I mean, I guarantee they had hours and hours of training. Michael Bean was there probably flipping guns five hours a day, you know, uh, away from the shoot, preparing for this. You knew it. And everybody that they hired, like, they were really tough guys. Like, you could see them really in real life. This is how they would have been if they lived back in the 1800s. Yeah. And so for everybody watching this on YouTube, this is a 44 Magnum. Again, it's always unloaded whenever I bring in. Anyways, it's a 44 Magnum, but they, they, this is a uh, two stage. So there's, so one, two, so there's, you pull it back and the hammer stays back here and then you can pull the trigger and then the hammer closes. Now the types of guns that they have, it was just a single straight stage. So you couldn't actually pull it back and leave it and then pull the trigger. You would have to um, do it all in one motion or used like they did they pulled this back so you had it was also all one stage so that's my next fun gun that i want to buy is a single stage cowboy gun like that now how about you yeah are you gonna does this movie make you want to go out and get a single stage or like a cowboy gun no (laughs) sorry to burst your bubble but it doesn't you know oh no Um, that's such a surprise you're such a gun nut i was i was like wow i can't believe you're saying that 
<laughs> yep, yep, gun nut me, that's for sure. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so paintball yeah, gun nut, yeah. Oh man, yeah, paintball. So everything yeah. in this movie is just it's just so much fun. Now we're getting wrapping up towards the end. So what's your first lesson? Uh, my first lesson is a tough life breeds tough men. Nowadays, and you mentioned this in our last movie when we talked about Green Street Hooligans, is nowadays there's beta males and there's really weak individuals. Life is too good. I shouldn't say too good, but life is so good for us. We really don't have any problems, especially in the U.S. That, yeah, it's really easy for you to be really soft in this world, right? But if you think back to the 1800s, you look at these uh, these men and, and just the farmers and everybody in this movie, right? It was such a tough life. You breed tough men and it's really hard. Like that's why I guess you couldn't get away with it with anything back in the day, calling somebody a coward. They're just going to step right up and step to you, right? There's no getting away with anything back in the day. And so when you're dealing with tough men, be ready to be uh, for them to fight back. If you ever give them any kind of guff. The only thing close to a beta male in this movie would be Jason Priestley's character. That's the only thing, but he had to have everybody else around him to protect him from actually mm-hmm. getting killed. And so, yeah. Um, yeah. I like, I like that. That's, that's absolutely. I heard, I, I saw something. It was rather interesting. I'm probably going to butcher how it goes, but it's like a, a, a train of thought. So um, hard times breed hard men or strong men. The strong men breed Good times, good times bring weak men, and weak men breed hard times. And so it's a circle. It just keeps a getting cycle, round and yeah. round. I'm like, man, that's actually, you can't, it's not too far from the truth. When there's good times, we get fat and happy. We get lazy. We get like complacent. And just like in Batman, uh, the last one, um, where we have Bane say to Batman, oh, victory has defeated you. It's like, yeah, when you get fat and happy and you won, you get lazy, you get complacent. When you don't, when you're you're always battling, you are going to grow. You're going to get stronger, get better. When you fail, you're going to get better. And so, yeah, there, it's only because of how peaceful everything is right now in the world is that we can't have beta males. Okay, so my yep. first lesson is don't be goaded or, uh, you know, bullied into a gunfight or any fight for that matter. You know, last time we did the green street hooligans, which was a great movie. Uh, go back and listen or watch that, um, that YouTube episode or the episode we did on podcast. Great movie. Thoroughly enjoyed it. I was surprised. I've never even heard of it until you sky, um, asked or said we should do it. So don't be goaded into any fight because you never what's going to know what's going to happen. I like how in this movie they do get goaded in, but at the same time, the one thing that the one that I, um, I really not not a fight necessarily, but into something else was when Powers Booth's character, the you know, the guy in the red shirt, the main bad guy, is hallucinating. He's really, really bad. He's in out in the street just shooting guns. And Behan says, Oh, you know, hey, this is a this is a city matter. You gotta take care of that. And Kurt Russell or Wyatt Earp says, Why don't you just leave it alone? Like he'll go away, just leave it alone. And the sheriff says, No, I gotta do something about it. Well, one thing could have been, I mean. He, the sheriff would still be alive if he just left it alone. Not saying that's the right thing to do, but yeah. And so in general, any fighting, that's why like with Green Street Hooligans, I'm not like if somebody gets mad at me and they want to fight me, like if I bump into them, I'm like, oh, dude, you're so sorry. And then they start getting up in my face. I'm like, oh, man, you're yeah, hey, I, I just I was noticing how awesome those boots were. And I just I wasn't paying attention, dude. Sorry. And if they really want to throw down. I'm walking away. Like I'm literally escaping because there's no need to get in a fight. I'm always carrying a pistol. And so I'm always going to be able to protect myself and my family. But that's like, that's 
not even an option for me unless my family is literally getting attacked. Then I have that as an option. I'm literally walking away. There's there's no point in getting a fight. I don't care about my reputation whatsoever. I care about my family and myself. Let's get out of here. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. And go along, going along with that, sometimes you can't avoid the fight, right? And my lesson is you just cannot reason with the unreasonable. Powers Booth, Ringo, the rest, and Ike especially, and hate Christian, Christian Hayden Church, his character, whatever whatever his character's name was. These guys were just unreasonable. They wanted it their way. We knew that we did a bad thing and you're the law and you're trying to punish us, but we're not going to allow that. You just can't reason with unreasonable people. So just don't even bother trying, right? Stay away, like you said, or find a, I don't know, find a good way to handle it. Yeah, you cannot, especially when they're unreasonable. It's just Mm -hmm. silly. I agree with that. So along with the lines of um, being... Understanding what, what like the scenario, like if somebody's unreasonable, um, you're understanding that scenario. If a if I'm ever riding a horse and a woman who's not my wife wants me to follow her, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it because I know that's probably a bad idea. What I need to do is say and be an oak, just like like following White Earps the very first time, where he has the the pressure all around him. He's he has people looking at him. Now when he's in the forest you know, in the mountains with uh, Dana DeLaley and they're on the horses and they ride off. Like he, it's not necessarily something that like he has to stand up. Like he just told Val Kilmer, I'm going to be an oak or, you know, a doc. Um, I'm going to be an oak. And he said, and he had to stand up to it and say it. So yes, I'm never going to ride off in the woods with another woman ever. For sure. For sure. And that goes, that's just exactly my third lesson, right? Just stay away from temptation. If your temptation is women, drugs, alcohol, whatever it might be, and you know that partaking in that will put you into trouble, will possibly ruin your life or ruin your family or something, you've got to do your best to stay away, say no, don't put yourself in those situations. And you're right. He did put himself in a pretty bad situation by going off on a ride with her. He sure did. He sure did. Mm -hmm. So my last lesson is, well, let me look it up. I completely forgot. Okay. Stand up for your friends and people that are close to you. So for and Sky, you know this, but um, not everybody does. So my best friend literally just passed away like five days ago. Well, we went to high school together, um, best friends, um, and he passed away. He had a seizure and he passed away and he's only 41 years old. And I was like, man, life is short. You got to stand up for the people that are close to you. The Bible also says um, a true friend sticks closer to you than a brother. Like if they literally love you, if they literally are your friends, if they're somebody that is, is, is so close to you that they, that you can depend on them and be loyal, you also, and it reminds me of Green Street Hooligans, how we just talked about that movie. Like it's not just that you can count on them to watch your back. You can also, you, it's almost even better that you watch their back. Like that's even just about as good. If not, no, it is better than knowing that somebody has your back. And so, yeah, we need to stick up for your friends. And I remember when Doc Holliday says, when Wyatt Earp says, you know, this isn't your fight, he's all, that's a hell of a thing for you to say to me. Like, wow, that is, that's a good line. Yes, absolutely. So you need to stick up for your friends. Yeah, I agree with that. And I love how this movie just totally demonstrated it. The prior movie, Green Street Hooligans, demonstrated that as well. Really good life lesson. Uh, Let me see here. Oh, what is your prop from this movie? Oh, my goodness. There are so many guns in there that I can't think of the, the, <laughs> the one that I really, really want. Um, let me I let me take say, it. Yeah, what, okay, go, go you go first. You go first. Doc Holliday's two, I don't know if you'd call them pearl-handled or just white-handled revolvers along with his belt. 
that's what I would take from this movie. I'm, I love those, but Wyatt Earp's long, it's literally like a nine inch barrel. Like it's the longest barrel. I, seven inch is really long, but it was like a uh, nine inch barrel, like such a long barrel that you can shoot like, <laughs> I don't know, maybe a mile away. It seems like it's such a long barrel. Now, the reason why for everybody who doesn't know, the longer the barrel the straighter the bullet will be because there's more spins. It's more, um, it's, it's pushed. Okay. Now let me pause that thought. If you in movies, you're going to see somebody throw a bullet or a bunch of bullets into a fire pit and you hear, of course it's going to go off, but it's not going to be a projectile like a bullet out of a gun. The reason why it needs that pressure be enforcing it in a certain direction in one direction for a very, very long time. And then it, and it moves and it stops from there. So if you are, if the bullets outside of the gun, it's literally just going to explode and it's going to go and it kind of squib out because there's no more pressure. It's just that one initial pressure, but the longer the barrel, the more accurate the bullet is because it keeps going straight and it gets straighter and straighter. That's why rifles are so much more accurate than pistols because the barrel's longer. So, I would have to say White Earp's belt with all the bullets as well as his pistol and holster. I think that one is phenomenal. Good choice right there. I like that a lot. Uh, Let's see. Anything else that we failed to mention? Oh, my goodness. I could go on and on. I mean, there's so many good things. But we're – yeah, yeah. like even just um, the scenery, the horses, like I just – it's so for me – Absolutely an A plus. What did you we we talked about grades yet? So for me it's A plus. A. I give it an A. Very cool. For sure. Totally what, love it. What, Gotta recommend it. Best Western. Did you because you said it was gonna be like homework watching it before, then it grew. What was your I guess grade going perceived grade going into it? Oh, probably like a B. Very probably. cool. Yeah. Good. But it was, you know, over Good. 20 years ago, didn't remember all these great actors. You get to experience it. It felt it felt almost fresh watching this again. I was surprised every time a new actor came. I f- forgot about you. Forgot about you. Michael Rooker. Charles. Exactly. You know, yes. I was away as I was watching it again. So love, love it. it. Yep. Yeah. So, Dust, this movie was your choice. Next week, I want to watch another old classic, a movie that I absolutely love. One of my favorite sci-fi movies of all time. Starship Troopers. Starship Troopers. That I remember when that came out, it was like gr- almost groundbreaking in a sense. It was totally different than any other um, Star Trek or Star Wars. I just remember being totally different for me. So, yes, yeah. let's do it. Cool beans. I'm glad to hear that. All right. So Starship Troopers next week, everybody. Well, thank you so much for listening. We appreciate your ears and your eyeballs. If you're watching on YouTube, you heard everything that we think about Tombstone, but we do want to hear your thoughts. So please go to the show notes page, watchandlearnpodcast.com slash tombstone right there. And just leave a comment for us to read. And of course, we'll respond to you. All righty. Once again, thank you very much. My name was Sky, And I'm Dusty. And we will return next week with Starship Troopers.